Hi, and welcome once again to Moral High Ground, where I talk about what's morally right to you. And today, it's not so much of a moral thing, it's more of a matter of dealing with loss. And it's a subject that doesn't really get talked about unless it's talked about in your family. Because, well, let's just face it, there's not too many people who have true morality anymore or even know the meaning or the concept. I believe it has something to do with 9-11. But, anyway, we're talking about loss today because it's something every human has in common on Earth. Losing someone they care for, someone they were close to, someone they made a good bond with and someone they knew better than anybody else. I believe the bad things that happen with families has to do when a family member dies and those that are close and most of the time it might be one person, it might be two, three that are really close to the individual or just a intimate family. And then, they, you know, they're loving, they're crying, their hearts are broken, families torn apart emotionally. And the other relatives come in, money hungry, willing to take things from people. Say, oh, they owe me this, they belong, this belongs to me. And the worst part is when these outsiders, because you have to talk about the friends that knew the person and all these people, they all want a piece of the pie. And they come up and tell you, oh yeah, he would have wanted it this way. Or she always said this and that. And you know the person would never say those things or would allow those things to happen. And what it does is just like, it makes you angry. It frustrates you to the point that you want to, you know, hurt those people for lying on that good name of the person you care for. Not everything is as strong as it should be when it comes to loyalties after the person dies. It's hard to keep the family structure together. It's hard to enjoy things you once did. I think the most difficult part is dealing with people that's not involved with the individual that died, whether it be a woman or a man, or vice versa, you know, child, anything. And um, the, the sad part is, you know, people walk up and they do their normal bullshit. They're like, oh, you know, what's your problem? Oh, what's wrong with you? You know, try to fight with you, try to get over on you, hustle you some kind of way. Won't leave you alone. Even when it comes to bills or job or whatever, someone's always trying to cause some kind of chaos or just bother you. They won't give you the time to grieve. And to me, that's the worst part about someone passing is because a person needs times to sit there in their thoughts 
and deal with how they feel the person they lost that they care for the most. And in some cases, it's just too overbearing for people. Maybe there's a reason why some people fall to the wayside beyond the fact that they were influenced by the wrong people. Maybe they lost someone and it just became hard to deal with and their only way to escape the pain of that loss is to go do these outrageous things like drugs or, you know, party their brains out or however. But what needs to be understood is that that person isn't gone completely. And even though we don't see it physically, doesn't mean mentally they're gone from our mind. It doesn't mean that their spirit hasn't left a portion of itself with us. And it doesn't mean they haven't went to a place where they're waiting for us to come. And that doesn't mean we need to force that to happen right away. It just means when we're done living our life to the fullest and did as much things as possible to make ourselves happy in life, that individual's there waiting for us to say, hey, here's your reward, I'm here again. Let's continue where we left off. Tell me everything, I'm glad to see you back, son. Whether it's the mother or the father or the child, hey, I'm happy to see you again, mom, dad, you know. But that is the ultimate thing they tell us, is when you die, you, you know, see your loved ones again. But in life, I believe it's a lot like that biblical story of Elijah, uh, him. I don't know if you read Kings or the Bible, but most of you probably don't. So I'm just going to say it's like the story of Elijah where, you know, he was going around and he was with, the, you know, his apprentice, which is Elijah, a different writing for him. And, uh, Anyway, they went to a temples, and the temple guy said, you know, today your master's going to leave this earth. And, you know, the younger Elijah's like, no, he's okay, you know. And then he kept going to other temples, and they kept saying, hey, today your master's going to leave this earth, you know. And he kept saying, nah, you know, he's got a mission, you know. He's great, he's not going nowhere. Went to another temple, he said, today your master will leave this earth. He said, no, he's not. He's not going anywhere. And then while they were going to another town, all of a sudden a great chariot of fire appeared in the sky, came down in a flaming tornado, and swooped Elijah up. And the young one was, was like, no, start trying to chase his master as he went up in this flaming tornado of a chariot. And yet, a star for his remained, came down, and Elijah picked it up, and he was told, I think I might have messed up. <laughs> I'm not reading it, I'm just know by memory, but anyway, a portion of his spirit remained with him, and that portion of the spirit that remained with him was able to lead him to become the next prophet.
the person that was able to go and stand up and tell people, hey, this is what is, this is what's going on, and this is how we gotta live our lives. Now, that story is great because it's saying the truth about loss. Even though Elijah went up in a chariot of fire, you know, and maybe now we can do like them shows and scientifically say it's an alien or, you know, he was really riding in a spacecraft or, you know, some spaceship or some plane from another time period went back there and it was a chariot of fire, which was really a helicopter or something. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But I'm just going to say it's the spiritual best part of the story that happened. But it's the truth when it comes to loss. Some portion of the person you love that cared for you is there with you. Their personality is something you can't remember, forget. You know, there might be some things you might not be able to remember, but there's things you will never forget that always they did or loved. And they made you grow an interest for it. And you like that too, you know? And so that part of their spirit is still with you. You know, there's things you might have watched with them, movie that they love, things you'll never forget about the person. That spirit remains and stays. Even if you lose a friend that you spent time with, and it maybe it wasn't in a deaf way, you know, and you don't see that person for years, you remember things about them that they forgot about themselves. And ultimately, a certain spirit, certain parts of people's spirits die off over years. I think that's the penalty for living so long. You know, you start to lose things you once loved or things you once thought of to be true. And things you held dear to you, it just starts to not mattered no more because your life is changing to ways that you want your reality to be and that doesn't make you a bad person to forget about these things it was just time to grow in ways that those memories of, of how you used to be wasn't going to fit your lifestyle or the person you wanted to become and it happens it happens to the best of us there's stuff I don't do that I did a lot when I was a teenager. But teenager years, looking back, you know, and this is what I say, like, when you listen to people that's younger than you talk and you're a certain age, you're like, damn, I was stupid. <laughs> you know, and so it's the same thing. It's the same concept. You look back at these memories, these thoughts like, damn, I was stupid or I really didn't know what I was talking about. You know, but you got to take your teen years as the years to celebrate your life because you're an adult in a way, you know. Yeah, you're going to be a real adult when you reach 21 or 18, depending on your state or whatever country you're in, whatever. But celebrate the fact that you have consciousness to understand and be able to change your life into a reality that will make you a great person, you know, 
or a great failure. You know, there's those that want to be failures in life, which is the most ridiculous thing. But all you got to do is look around, try to motivate people to do the right thing, and they want to do the wrong thing. And you can't make people do anything, you know. You can only worry about yourself and try to put yourself in a situation where either you can help people achieve something or learn things that will help people in the future. But in some cases you can't go out looking to help people. You gotta wait for the time for the person that needs help to come to you. And it happens. There's times and moments in my life where people came to me when they need help more than often. And if you know me, truly know me, you know, not some rumor or whatever crap, that's the type of dude I am. You know, you call me, I'll be there. I'm not gonna just call people anymore. This thing I got tired of, I don't know, maybe it's a guy thing. It's like that, you know, No Doubt song, you know, Gwen Stefani for you guys that don't know No Doubt. You know, she started a song called Walking in the Spider Webs, Leave a Message and I'll Call You Back, you know. I'm walking in the spider webs and leave a message and I'll call you back. You know, <laughs> so that's where I'm at, you know. You call me, and says now we got text messages. It's the 21st century. George Judson was a lie, but <laughs> my point is, that's just that. Leave me a message, I'll be there like the flash. I'll be there quicker than shit. And what's the problem? Let me help you out. And when I was younger, it'd be, a, it'd be something like, hey, show me this guy trying to attack me. Be there like the flash. I'm fighting you. I'm fighting the bad guy or whatever, you know. Show me my kids is, need help. I need to get to the hospital. I'm there with my car. I'm taking your kids to the hospital with you. You know, whatever. That's the type of guy I am. We've been defeated over the years by a lot of things. So a more, not so much standoffish, but a more uh, leery on who I help. And is the help that I'm giving them gonna be received in a positive way or a way where they think they could take advantage of me. And that's the difference from, you know, losing part of yourself is you start to realize things differently. Because you try to help people, they take advantage of your good nature and they just want something out of you. So you gotta say, am I really helping these people or are they taking advantage of me because of the fact that I'm naive and the fact that I truly wanna help people or care for people. And that's the problem where we're at right now in the world is people need help. But yet, when you try to help, they take advantage of the situation and try to use you for whatever it is that you can provide. And it's very sad. It's very sad and very horrible. And with that being said, it's the same thing when you lose someone to death. There's someone that's there that says they're your family or a family friend, and they claim to love you, love the person that passed, but yet they want something. They're there for something. Maybe they weren't there for years, and then all of a sudden they pop up and they want some money. They want to know where you're going, what kind of car you're driving. Can I 
use the car, they leave the car to you, you know, is there a will, is my name in the will, and all this, and they don't care, and like I said, they'll say things, you know, and say, oh, you know, this person used to always say, if, if I can't get a dollar, I'm going to have to get it. And no, that's not what my relative said that just passed. What, where'd you make this crap up at? You know, and you know that, especially if you're a kid, you're going to remember everything your parent, your grandparent, or whoever it is you love said to you, if, especially if you spent a lot of time with that person, so you know their dialogue and how they talk. But the person that's trying to con that person, get over on them, take advantage of them, is going to say something about the person's character that passed that is not right. And if it hasn't happened to you where you lost somebody yet, just remember what I'm saying. That person will come up and say something stupid. And you're going to want to slap the shit out of them. This is honestly God true. But, <laughs> and I wasn't trying to even, you know, because I was trying to take this in a way that if someone had lost somebody recently, they would understand. But... It's the truth. You just got to realize that there are some miserable people inside. And a death to some people is a celebration. Why to others, it's a, a thing of misery. Most of the time, the ones that celebrate are the ones that are most disturbed. And I'm not saying that there shouldn't be a celebration of that person's life. It most definitely should be. But some people take it to a, another extreme. They're happy because they can get something out of somebody. They're happy because, you know, the person that they really didn't like but pretended to like their whole life is gone. And they're like, hey, 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 I, I outlived that person. Yeah, die, bastard, you know, weird crap. It's like when uh, Anna Nicole Smith died, her mom walked over a grave. They put it all on the news and it was like, whoa, that's crazy, even though she didn't like the woman in life because I'm pretty positive I remember back then her mom wasn't in contact with her they had some kind of rivalry but had to do mostly because she ended up wealthy you know and we know who if you know Anna Nicole Smith you know why she ended up wealthy but the whole thing about it is that shows you how wicked people is the mother of the woman walked over her own daughter's grave in, a, in, in an aggressive way, too. You can look it up, and it's heartbreaking that there's so many people like that that could be wolves in sheep's clothing, your family members standing there in your face, pretending to be your closest ally, your most loved family, and yet they don't give a damn about you. They only want you to fail, so they have something to talk about. That's the truth. Most people will be close to you. They'll see your greatness. They'll see your, your power, the things you have inside, and they want to turn around and use it against you. They either want to use it against you or they want to stop you from achieving anything. You know, you can sit there. You can be a guy, super smart guy, everything perfect that... A woman may need or want and you're with this dork that you call your buddy or relative that you call your family and they're going to try to humiliate you in front of this female because they want to get with you 
or no, that's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I said that wrong. The girl wants to get with you, but the individual you're with doesn't want you to get with them. They want to make sure you don't get that happiness you want. So it's like whenever you try to do something, maybe there's, let's just say, well, you can, you know, win like a airplane modeling contest or some crap. I'm just making something up right now. But let's say you can do that and you know you can do it. The person's going to try to make it look like you're a failure before you even begin. Or they're going to discredit something that you like and make you try to think differently. Like, oh, you really can't do this. You should give up. Yeah, let's go do something else. They'll say stuff like that. Anything to try to get their way to make you fail. And in life, they're going to take, you know, what you did and say, okay, this ain't right. Why'd I do this? Why'd I do that? You know, nothing is set in stone to where you have to listen to somebody that always makes you try to do the opposite. Try to stop you from doing what you want to do. And I'm, I'm very serious about this. There's people like this, you need to cut them out of your life completely. Just high and by. How you doing? Okay, good to see you. I'll catch you later. I got to go. It's, I'm going to be late, man. I can't stick around. That's how you have to be. And it's because of the fact that their poison will rub off on you, will make you bitter, make you have so much hatred in your heart. And this is where you have to have some form of spiritual guidance because it's a spiritual guidance that will make you realize how much you need that self-confidence, that reassurance by something stronger than men, something stronger than the people that you're interacting with. Because, you know, right now in this time period, so many people depend on the fact of individuality. They believe in the fact that man can accomplish this and that, and man is great, and these actors are my gods, and these musicians are my gods, and all this stuff. But when you really sit back and you take those blinders off, you wash your face and you get rid of the brainwashing and all this crap, you start to see how fresh and clear everything is, crystal clear, to the point that you realize, dang, mankind is fucked up. <laughs> like, seriously. So, why value the things that all men and women do? Why value their new concepts, their groups and stuff? There's got to be something greater. There's got to be something more powerful. Something that can change everything for the greater good. And I'm not just saying this. It's something that I believe. It's something that a lot of you believe. But you choose not to believe it because you're either told not to or you've been thrown aside to somewhere else. And the reason why I say this is because we need that belief system in something greater than us. Something that can reach boundaries and realms that we can't reach. And the one realm we, we can't reach is the afterlife. Some of us can uh, do spiritual birth connections 
with our stars or with our souls. And that's those who truly believe in souls and haven't been brainwashed that we don't have one. You know, personalities are the way they are for a reason. You know, depending on whatever, you know, our true soul interests are. And we have to honor that, accept it, and take it as face value and roll with it. You know, we can change it a little bit to make it our own, but it is what it is. We have our own path in life and we can't be, you know, swayed to something different. We need to find our heart's desire and take it to the next level. And the point of it is, the spirit world is there. Mankind can't reach it physically, but a God could. This is why you need a God, something to believe in, something that can do things that man can never do. You know, you can say man can bring things back to life through uh, chest compressions and uh, the paddle thingies that they use in every show and, you know, hospital, and poof, and, oh, he's back, sock him again, you know. Let me say that. You know, certain medicines or whatever that bring you back from the dead, but it's not the same. Someone that can instantly walk into a room where people's been dead for a long period of time and say, bam, you're alive again. Jesus did it. There's other people in spiritual stories that have done it. Other people that consider to be worshipped by somebody. And it can be done. I think Elijah did it. If I remember, there was a woman whose son died or something like that, and he walked in a room and he was able to, something about a soup or something, I forget the story really, but the main part I remember, the kid died, Elijah was there and brought it back, and it might not have been a boy, it might have been a girl. It's been a year since I read Kings in the Bible, but that's where you would find it. It was in Kings, uh, First Kings, I think. And um, anyway, it happened. And, then, and when I read it, it was a thing where I was like, whoa, because I thought Jesus was the only one that did it through the whole Bible. And it's because if you read it, you're like, you know, Jesus had these great miracles. And the fact that someone else was able to bring somebody back from the dead made me think, okay, Elijah's on God's, uh, Jesus' level, God's level. So was Moses, of course, because he had the glow. And, you know, had this big shining of the glow. Uh, no man shall see God and live. Um, but there's a part where uh, something else Jesus did to me that I never hear in, in any church that I've been to preached. You know, they all have a certain script that they're doing, which after you learn about how the IRS can help you make your own church and how you can pretty much say anything, you, just, you don't even need to know the whole Bible. And people going to follow you and bring money. It made me realize that God had a power that was beyond anything. And it wasn't just changing the elements. It wasn't just healing people. Casting out demons is pretty good. Healing people is really good, but casting out demons is pretty good because all you got to do is look around America right now and there's demons possessing everybody in some form or another. 
Some people fight with their personal demons in their own houses. And most of them are all out there in the street letting the world see their demonic nature. But Jesus was able to take the disciples to the top of this mountain. And this is why if you read the Bible, you have to read it from, you know, people like to talk about the New Testament, the Old Testament, doesn't matter. I'm going to assure you that the Old Testament matters, and Jesus himself even quoted the Old Testament multiple times, but what I think is this is when Jesus took the disciples to this mountain, and I could go on about how many of them were there and what their names are, but I'm not going to be 100% accurate because it's been a minute, but one thing I know, he took them there, and he sat down, and when he sat down, like, he started to turn white and get gray hair. And on one side of him appeared Moses, and on the other side of him appeared Elijah. Now, the significance of that makes so much sense because of the fact that what Moses went to a mountain for a long time back in Exodus, and so many times he went up there, he went there twice because they broke the, the Ten Commandments, the first ones he came down with, and he had to go back up there again. You know, Elijah was at the top of the mountain. You just have to read it, and I'm telling you, he's been in the top of the mountain. And here you got Jesus with his disciples at the top of the mountain thousands of years later, if I'm, if I'm right, if I can't remember exactly what the time period is between uh, Elijah and Jesus, I think it might have been 600 years, but from Moses to Jesus, I think it's 900 maybe. I'm not sure. Something like that. But anyway, they all, both, both of the uh, main spiritual leaders was on the side of Jesus. On a mountain. You know what that means? That means somewhere in time, Jesus was able to alter time and space. Okay, he was able to alter time and space. He was able to, to, when Jesus was on top of that mountain, and then Moses in his time period was on top of a mountain, and Elijah in his time period was on top of a mountain, all three of them might have been on top of the mountain talking to each other at the same time in all different time periods. But then the next thing that happens is the sty opens up, light comes, a cloud comes down or something like that, if I remember right. And you hear God's voice say, this is my, this is my son who I love, who I, whom I love, you know, and tells the disciples this. And slowly, you know, they disappear, Moses and Elijah, and Jesus is just there. And the disciples are like, whoa. Now this story might not make sense to most people, but to me it's like, wow. That's powerful. If you're able to pull someone from the past, someone that might have died. Elijah went up in a chariot of fire, a tornado of fire in a chariot. And then here you got Moses, who pretty much no one knows what happened to Moses. He either died on a mountain, not able to go to the promised land, or he was taken up. They never tell you if he died. Usually the Bible says they begot. Or, or then they were not, or something like that. If, but that means a hell of a lot. That means that God has the ability to go back to the past 
He has the ability to stop death right in his tracks and be able to bring it to the people who need to see it. And at that time, it was the disciples. They all needed to see these, these people that the Hebrew people worshiped for centuries and, de and decades and whatnot and bring them right in front of the disciples. So they go, this is the Son of God. This is the guy that can, I mean, that, that to me there proves that Jesus was God to the people, you know, that he was the Son of God. Because, yes, Lazarus comes from the dead, you know, and he does this stuff with casting out demons of a pig and a boy and so many different stories. But that one's the most impactful one because it tells you even if something's lost in time, we can always find it again. And when it comes to death, you never truly lost them. You just gotta find them again by finding the things they love, by finding the things they loved in you and bring it out. If they loved you when you were dancing or something, then dance. If they loved you because you played a sport, play that sport. You know, whatever it is, you can bring that out again. They have not truly gone. A fragment of them remains in you. Their personality remains in you. The best things you remember of them, you can take on to yourself and make it part of your character. Your love for your lost one shouldn't be a joke to anybody either. So if someone's thinking it's funny that you're mourning and they're trying to take from you, they're the most evilest person you can encounter. And you need to get rid of them right then and there. Don't tolerate something based off a of family bond or some kind of blind friendship because it's blind because you did not know how they truly were. And it's best to just cut them off right then and there and understand you're trying to honor the person that you lost and you won't tolerate anything about the other people that goes against what you were learned and what you know to be true. And with that being said, this has been Moral High Ground. I'm your host, Shelby Lee Kyles. Peace be with you. And blessings upon you always. And may you always find that center within that makes you feel whole. Peace.